And this is uh, this offering is given to the people of Israel as a way to make them acceptable to God. You got to understand where we are in Leviticus. And, and actually, if you were to turn back one page or just just up in Exodus chapter uh, 40 and look in verse 35, you're going to see that Moses has built this tabernacle and it's done to exact specifications and it's done in, in, in the middle of that. There is a place that is where God himself dwells and God has said, I want you to build this because I want to be in the middle of my people. And if you go to that Exodus 40 and verse 35, you're going to see that Moses is not able to enter into this tabernacle. He can't go into this. And not only is Moses not able to go into this, the people of Israel can't go into this. Here's God who is right in the middle of him. He's right there. But they can't go in because they're not acceptable to God. They, he does not accept them as they are. But what God is doing is he is now providing them a way to get into his presence. In fact, it says in verse 1 of Leviticus chapter 1 that the Lord called unto Moses and spake to him, out of the tabernacle of the congregation. So first of all, God himself is speaking. He is saying, I'm going to let you know some stuff. I know you're on the outside. I know you can't get into me. You're not able to get into my presence, but let me know you. Let me tell you something here. Here's what he says in verse two. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, if any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. And he goes on and explains this. He is saying, and by the way, he gives in this chapter one, I won't read all those verses, but let me just summarize to say, here he says bringing of the cattle. He'll later say you could also bring of the sheep or goats. And then later, thirdly, you could bring of a bird. If you, and it had to do with how much money you had. Uh, people had a little more money, you could bring a cow. People a little less, you could bring a sheep. A little less, you could bring a bird. But, but the point is, he's explaining, I'm going to now tell you how to, as he says there in verse 3, at the end of verse 3, he says, I'm going to tell you that he's going to offer this voluntarily uh, will at the, the door of the tabernacle before the Lord. And then in verse four, he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. God is saying this way, this burnt offering that I'm about to describe to you, this is going to make you acceptable to me. I'm going to break down the wall that is between me, God, and you people. I'm going to break that down with this. What's going to happen is here's a God who is... I don't know how, I think in this, in this modern era, we've kind of forgotten who God is. We, he's, our, he's our buddy, he's our pal, he's our chum, he's our fellow down the street, he's the man upstairs, all these things we talk about God. But do understand this about God. He loves you, yes, but he is a holy, righteous, judging God. And he has every right. Now, if I sit to you and I say, you better quit judging me. That's because you ain't got no right to judge me. But God has every right to judge you. He is the one who made you. And when we, as humanity, if you go all the way back to the third chapter of the Bible, we have sinned before him, and he has every right to destroy us from this planet. And even in where Moses, or rather Noah shows up, he actually does destroy everybody but eight people, and he's right to do this. This is the God that we're talking about. He is a fearful God. But what God is doing in Leviticus chapter 1 is he's saying, 
I know I'm a fearful God. I know I am a, a wrathful God. I know that I have judged, I am judging you and I'm right to do that. However, I'm going to turn that fearful judgment into fellowship by you offering this burnt offering. So first of all, I want you to see that this burnt offering, first of all, enables fellowship with God. Do understand this about the burnt offering. It is not brand new. It doesn't show up for the first time in Leviticus chapter one. It actually shows up before that. Let me just give you two instances in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter six, or rather chapter eight, verse 21, Noah has survived the flood. He's been on an ark for all those days. The waters recede. Him and his family come out of the ark. And in chapter eight, in verse 21, he offers a burnt offering to the Lord. He takes some of those animals, the clean animals, off that ark, and he offers them as sacrifices to the Lord. And in chapter 8, in verse 21 of Genesis, it says that the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. Here's God who rightfully judges the earth for the rampant sin on this earth, Noah offers up a burnt offering and God says, I'm satisfied. I will no longer judge the earth in this way. Now I can have fellowship with my, with my creation because of that. One other time it shows up is in Genesis chapter 12. In, I'm sorry, chapter 22, excuse me, chapter 22. Uh, God demands that Abraham give a burnt sacrifice. You know who he actually, what, he, what he actually wanted Abraham to sacrifice? Was his own son, Isaac. He actually said, I want you to offer up your son Isaac as a burnt sacrifice. One of the attributes of a burnt sacrifice is that it's completely consumed on the altar. It is fully burned up on the altar. That's what God wanted Abraham to do. But you know what's amazing about that story? Y'all know this, most of you do anyway. God provides an alternative so that Isaac doesn't have to be consumed. He provides a ram, a male sheep, to be put on that altar in the place of Isaac. So he's already in Genesis, before God ever lays down these specifics that he gives to the children of Israel in Leviticus chapter 1, he's already laid down this, this concept that there's this idea of a burnt offering that would be a substitute for all of humanity, that would then be pleasing to God, and God would then have fellowship with them. So God is already providing that. And what happens is, if you go back to verse 4 of chapter 1, Leviticus, it says that if you're doing this thing, he says it is going to make an atonement for him. The one who is the worshiper is going to make an atonement. What that, what that burnt offering is going to do is it's going to meet all of the demands that God has of that worshiper in order to enter into his presence. That offering satisfies that. That's what he's doing by making atonement. And the result of that, I'm just going to reference three verses here. If you look in verse 9 of chapter 1, if you were to look in verse 13 of chapter 1, and in verse 17 of chapter 1, remember I told you there's three kinds of sacrifices. There's a, a cattle, a cattle, the sheep or goat, or the bird. That's those three instances. But at the end of each one of those, no matter which one you give, the last phrase of each of those verses, look at verse 9, the last phrase, he says it's going to be a sweet savor unto the Lord. That's true of all three of these sacrifices. When it's burned, that, that, that sacrifice is going to be fully consumed by fire. 
which represents the righteous wrath of God. Fully consumed, and when you fully consume something like an animal of some sort, there's going to be a smoke that comes off of that, and that smoke, it says, in God's, God's nostril, it is going to be a sweet savor. God is going to be satisfied. He is going to listen, or, he, or he's going to smell that, and he's going to see that, and he's going to say, I have been satisfied by what's been done here. On the other hand, just to be clear, because God's not just smelling something when there's a burnt offering. There's a scent when there's not a burnt offering. Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah chapter 65, that there is a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. He's talking about in that, in that text, he's talking about the sins of the children of Israel. So when there's sin, he says, I smell that too. I don't like that. That's a smell in my nose. I want that taken out of my nose. But on the other hand, we've got these burnt offerings. When he sees that, it's a sweet savor. This is good. This is acceptable. This is right. And then once this is accepted, by the way, this is in Leviticus chapter one. There's about seven chapters and we'll be going through this over the next few weeks. But there's seven chapters here where there are five in total. One, this one here, one plus four others. Five sacrifices that are available to be offered for the children of Israel. This offering of a burnt offering is what opens the door to two of the other offerings. The offering of, uh, of dedication or a meat offering and the peace offering. In other words, if you really want to get in and actually really worship the Lord and actually enjoy his presence, this is where it's got to start. You've got to start with a burnt offering. If there is no burnt offering, if there's no sacrifice of a burnt offering, there is no real fellowship with the Lord. Now, what I'm not proposing, in case any of y'all are thinking this, I sure hope it's not the case, but in case you are, what I am not proposing is that we need to open up uh, some stalls around here and put cows and birds and cows, cattle, uh, cattle in that so we can start sacrificing in this sanctuary. That's not what we do. We're not... We're not in the Old Testament. We're not under that, under that regime. Nonetheless, the reason I bring this up is because the New Testament points in several places. Hebrews chapter 8, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, other places where it's telling me that the Old Testament is pointing to a greater reality. And it is the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ that enables that fellowship with God. This is the way the writer of Hebrews says it in verse 10, chapter 10, verse 9, 19 and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Jesus is the one that's satisfied by his death him being fully consumed by God's wrath on the cross, him being fully consumed, that was a sweet savor to the Father. The Father said, that's right, that satisfies, that's good. The big 50 cent word in the King James is propitiation. That means that what God, God demanded, Jesus delivered. And because he delivered that, I and you can have fellowship with God. 
That's why I stood here just moments before I started preaching to you and lifted up my voice. And one other brother in this congregation did as well. And many of you silently were able to, with confidence, praise the Lord, pray to the Lord, ask him for something. Why? Because you're such a good person? No, because Jesus satisfied the demands of God and said, now, son, come on, daughter, come on. You can come in into my presence and I want to hear what you've got to say. This is what Jesus has provided. He makes us acceptable. He's broken down those barriers that were there to start with. Now that burnt offering, not only does it uh, enable fellowship with the Lord, this burnt offering required a certain kind of sacrifice, a valuable sacrifice and an innocent sacrifice. Uh, you can see this. Look at me in verse 3. We're just going to look at the, the, the cattle. But again, this is sort of repeated with the sheep in verses 10 through 13. And the birds, verses 14 to 17. But just want to read one of these verses in verse 3. Immediately, we're told that this sacrifice needs to be, look what it says. Second phrase, let him offer a male without blemish. So first of all, we recognize that this is an animal. This is the first thing we're noticing. You may say, well, what, how is that valuable? How is that innocent? Well, first of all, this is Israel. They are a nomadic people. They are in the desert as they're having this going on. And they do have some animals, but I can tell you they're not pets. They're not hanging out with these animals because they like them. They're cute. That's not why they're there. Y'all understand that this is, these animals are part of what keeps them alive out in this desert. This is part of their livelihood. This is, what they, this is what they need. And here God is saying, won't y'all come and bring some of those and just burn them up and you get no value out of it at all. That's pretty valuable for you to offer that up. That's what he's, off, that's what he's telling them to offer. Uh, second of all, don't miss the fact that these are animals. I know that there's some mean animals in this world. I understand that. But you'll later on see that they need animals without blemish. So we're not talking about the mean ones. We're talking about pretty good animals here. I don't have an animal in this world that's a pretty good animal, at least, that's ever done anything to me. They're, they're, not, they're not scheming and scamming against me. Not, 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 these, not these kind of things. We're not talking about lions and tigers. We're talking about sheep and cows and birds. They have, they've not done anything. They are innocent in that way. They're innocent because they're animals. Also, it's saying here that they must be a male. Now, it says in, in, uh, for the, the cow and for the sheep and goats that they must be male. For the birds, it says that it must be a young pigeon, which some uh, commentators suggest that that was language that was used to reference the fact that it was a male bird. But nonetheless, we're talking about birds altogether. I mean, sorry, males altogether. And those were valuable because if you've ever had to deal with reproducing animals, you know you need a good stud. You need a good male to take care of that. You need to start there. You don't have that. You're not going to you don't have a good, a good progeny from that. You want to make sure. So there, he's saying, I want to get the best, and I want to make sure it's a male, which by the way, if you're taking care of animals, that's probably the one you're going to hang on to, and you're going to produce more animals from, but he's saying, no, bring that one as a sacrifice. That's pretty valuable that you're bringing forward. And then he says, without blemish, no marks, no sickness, no deformities, He's saying, I want you to bring me the best of the lot. That's the ones I want to hang on to, don't you? The best of the lot. Those are the ones I want to take care of. I want to make sure that I get them because I can make more of the best ones if I hang on to them. He said, no, 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 I want you to bring them forward and sacrifice them. This is what God is demanding. 
And I want to make sure you understand that Jesus Christ was the most valuable and the only innocent man ever to walk this planet. As Peter writes, we were not redeemed by corruptible things as silver and gold from our vain conversations received by traditions of our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the law demanded that there be a male without blemish, a male that was, that was perfect, a male that was innocent. That's what he's demanding. That's what the law is demanding. And that ultimate sacrifice was delivered by the one, Jesus Christ, who was the only one who could ever fit that bill. Next thing I want you to see is that that burnt offering also had to be personally applied. This worshiper, if you go to verse 4, this worshiper has to bring this offering in, in verse 4. And this is true of all the offerings, the, the cow, the sheep, the goat, as well as the, the bird. It take that offering and have your hand on the head of the burnt offering, so it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. This idea of putting your hand on something was, first of all, to identify yourself with it, saying, this is my offering. This is mine. And that offering is standing for me. There was also this the suggestion, too, that this putting your hand on it wasn't just sort of laying your hand on it. It was actually leaning on this, essentially giving the, the, the indication that this is what I'm trusting. This is the thing that I'm leaning on. I'm putting my weight on this thing. This, 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 this sacrifice, not only it stands for me, but I'm putting my weight on this. If, I, if this doesn't work, I have no hope. In so many words, if this doesn't work, I have no hope. And we have to, as we want to, if we, if we want to enter into the presence of God, we have to accept that Jesus Christ was the one who died, not just died. And yes, I know the Bible tells me he died for the sins of the whole world, but we have to understand that he died for my sins. He had to die for me. That the reason he was on that cross, I, I recognize that that cross was ava is available to the whole world. I, I'll admit that, but please don't just keep it there. It's got to apply to me. It's got to mean something to me. It's not just for y'all. It's for Matthew. I needed a Savior. I had to have it. So I have to put my hand. I have to identify him as my sacrifice. This is what we're seeing here. This is what the message of the New Testament when it says that we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just that we kind of do a calculation up here and say, yep, that makes sense. No, it's saying believe, trust, put your full faith on. If he doesn't save you, nobody's going to save you. If he doesn't get you in the presence of the Lord, you have no hope of getting into the presence of the Lord. That's where we have to get. That's what the Bible is talking about when it says believe and to trust. One other point I want to make for you on this is that the worshiper is fully involved in this process too. Now, now, one of the things you do understand is that, and you kind of see this, uh, maybe I can point out a verse to you to kind of get the idea across to you. If you go to um, uh, uh, verse five, it says, he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood, et cetera, et cetera. And you'll see the priest show up. There was, it was a requirement that there be a priest and that priest be a holy priest, and that priest had requirements. There was, you had to have a priest there. You couldn't do this out in the field by yourself. You had to go to the tabernacle with the priests there. But if you look back at this, you're going to see that that worshiper had to come 
ready to participate in this process. It wasn't sort of a lead the cow to the door. Okay, priest, you take it. Padre, you take over from here. No, that's not how it goes. You had to go along with the process. In fact, I just read that to you, but go to verse five. It says, and the he there is the worshiper, the one who's offering the sacrifice. The worshiper has to kill the bullock before the Lord. So that person had to kill that animal. This is that animal that you've probably spent some time and effort raising. You have made sure that you've groomed it so it's just the perfect one. Yet you've got to say, I'm going to kill that animal right there for the sacrifice. You go on down to um, um, verse, verse 6, and it says now that he shall flay the burnt offering. Again, not the priest, but the worshiper. He's got to chop that, that animal up. He's got to butcher that animal right there. He's got to take it apart right there to put it up on the altar. And then if you go down to, um, what is that, verse, uh, verse 9, and his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water. Uh, this is essentially talking about there were some, some parts of this animal, as y'all can know, if you've done any kind of uh, butchering of animals, there, there are some, some refuse and some bad parts you've got to get rid of. That's what he's talking about. You've got to clean out the parts that are dirty, that are, that are not pure. You've got to clean those out. Who's got to do that? Not the priest. The priest has got to stay clean. This is the worshiper who's got to do this. This is interesting that, that, that the worshiper is required to kill, butcher, and clean this. Make sure I say this very carefully because I don't want you to take the wrong thing from it, but I also think this is a very important point to make. I can do nothing to make myself acceptable for the Lord. It's only what Jesus has done. Please understand that. That doesn't change, period. End of sentence. Nothing to add to it, okay? Now, once I am brought in presence of the Lord, there are some requirements of me to make sure I'm working, to make sure that I am presentable as I possibly can be before the Lord. That means that I'm going to have to, as Jesus says in another place in Mark chapter 8, that I'm going to have to deny myself. I'm going to have to pick up my cross. I'm going to have to not worry about saving my life. I'm going to actually have to be willing to put my life on the line. But I'm going to have to be willing to get my hands dirty to kill the sin that's in me. Now, now make sure before I go, I've got, got to restate this because some, some people are going to confuse, get confused here. Remember what I said in the sentence? You can't do anything to make yourself acceptable to God. Jesus has already done it. But now that he's done it, get your hands dirty, Christians. Clean up. Work on what he's it's called sanctification. It's called working with the it's cooperating with the Holy Spirit to make yourself an acceptable vessel to the Lord. Just so that, yes, I understand Jesus has done it all, but because he's done it all, now it's time to go ahead and kill self. Go ahead to put myself on the cross and go ahead and follow Jesus to my death. Because I'm no longer what matters. Ultimately, Jesus is the one. He is the one that matters. So we have to personally be involved. We have to personally apply ourselves on this. Last point I want to make to you. This is probably the most important point. That this burnt offering was always available to everyone. There were three options. I've already mentioned these, so I can briefly mention them now. There are three options. There was an atonement that was needed and everybody was guilty. So therefore there was an option for the more wealthy people to bring, a, bring, somebody that, bring one of the cows from the herd. There was an option for the more middle class people to bring a sheep or a goat. There was an option for the poor to bring a bird, specific kinds of birds. 
But that was always available to everyone. There was not anyone in the camp that would say, well, I just, I just can't come. No. I, I, it's a sacrifice to understand that these things were expensive. These things were, this was, a, was high end. But if you wanted to be in the presence of God, this was available to you. This was accessible to the poorest of the poor and the most wealthy of the wealthy and everyone in between. This was available to them. That's why God did it this way was to make it available to them. The other thing, and I'm going to ask you to turn over, if you've got, if you've got your copy of God's Word open, go over to chapter 6, and I want you to look with me in verse 9. So in chapter 6, what happens in verse, chapter, chapter 1, rather, God outlines what that offering looks like. In chapter 6, he talks about uh, what the, this, this passage from verse 8 to about verse 13, he talks about what the priest's requirements were for the burnt offering, what they had to do, which is why he's put it in two different places. That's why I'm pushing you over here. But he says in verse 9 to command Aaron and his son saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning on the altar all night until the morning and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And he goes on to explain how in verses 10, 11, and 12 that the priests need to make sure they're always purified, that they're always put the right garments on so they're ready to do this. The bottom line, and here's what I need you to hear from this is that burnt offering was available not only to every class, every socioeconomic class within that, in that society, but that burnt offering was available 24-7. Anytime that you wanted to go to that altar, that fire was constantly ready, that priest was constantly ready, and in fact, there were constantly burning burnt offerings through this uh, through through this uh, tabernacle. This was constantly going on. So if at any time you wanted to go into the presence of the Lord, it was available to you. What I want to make sure you hear for all that is, remember I'm telling you that burnt offering, it's not you. It's not anything you can bring to the Lord, but it's Jesus himself. He is that burnt offering. And I want you to hear, if you've heard nothing else that I've heard, that I've said, I want you to hear that Jesus Christ not only makes access to the Father available to everyone, he is, of, he is making that access available to anyone at any time. It is available now. Through what Jesus has done, because of that offering, it's already done. Jesus is the only way that we could satisfy the Father. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through Jesus. John 14, verse 6. But Jesus is available to everyone who comes to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All of that is simply to try to remind you that that burnt offering that has been offered, it's not offered daily. Hebrews tells us that it's no longer offered daily. It was offered once and for all on Calvary. It is finished. Jesus himself said that. But it is now available to any who will call, and it is available to any who will call at any time. Do not think that you have to be in a church service to call on the name of the Lord. Do not think you have to be in the right frame of mind. Don't think you have to talk to a certain kind of person. No. Call upon the name of the Lord now. Call upon the name of the Lord right now. You don't have to wait for anybody else. Yes, I'd love to talk to you. If you're here and you hear what I'm saying and you don't believe in Jesus and he's not your Savior, I'd love to have an opportunity to show you from the Bible what that means. 
But I don't want you to have to wait on me. As I'm not your way to the heaven. I'm not the way to, to the, the, the presence of God. You know who he is? His name is Jesus. You call on his name, and you do that anytime. You do that at 2 o'clock in the morning. You do that at noon. You do that on Tuesday afternoon. You do it on a Saturday morning. It doesn't matter. You call on the name of the Lord. He is available to you. The only way to go to hell is to reject this free offering of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Revelation 21, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is a burnt offering, valuable, precious, innocent. Every requirement of the Father has been met, but it has been offered once and for all. And it's offered for you. And it's free. It's available. It's available to everyone. Don't receive this precious gift in vain. Accept it while there's still time. If you're to have fellowship with the Father, you have to present Jesus as your burnt offering. He's the only perfect burnt offering. It's only his death that makes you acceptable. He was the only one who was ever innocent enough, the only one who was ever perfect enough, the only one who was ever valuable enough to meet the demands of God. And he is the only one. Again, I want to make sure y'all know this. I, I, want to be, I want to be a help to every person in this room. I want to. I want to be a help to every person in Ash County if I could do it. I want to. But let me just tell you, first of all, even if I had the capacity to talk to every person in this county all the time, anytime, which I don't, by the way, but even if I did, I couldn't help them. Not like the Lord Jesus Christ can. I couldn't help them not like he can. But here's Jesus who's saying, I'm available all the time for any who will respond in faith. <laughs> and I know I'm talking to a lot of people who will claim that Jesus is your Savior. And your life suggests that that's, that's the case. So I'm not trying to doubt, put doubt in your mind at all. But if Jesus is your burnt offering, the writer of Hebrews says, okay. Go on and enter in to the presence of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, go into the presence of the Lord, children of God. If you feel far from God, and, and I was confess to you, sometimes I feel far from God. I feel like, man, God don't want anything to do with me because of the way my mind has been, the way my heart has been, the way my life has been. God doesn't want anything to do with me. You might be there. You might be there now. You might have been there in the past. You may well be there in the future. But I want you to know, if you're a Christian, Jesus has already been offered as your burnt offering. You are already acceptable to God. You need to go back in your mind, because you can't put Jesus back on the cross. He's done it once and for all. But in your mind, remind yourself of what he's already done for you and realize, oh, wait a minute. I have access to the Father. I can go in and I can talk to him. So I want to encourage you, Christian, if, you're, if you say, well, I believe everything you just said, Matthew, I can tell you the time and the place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're saved. That's awesome. Enter into the presence of God.
Be a worshiper. Go in and spend some time with him. Talk to him. Make, go in there and say that I've been acceptable because of what Jesus has done. So my invitation is simple and plain. If you're an unbeliever, present Jesus as your burnt offering. If you're a Christian, come on in. Enjoy that presence of God. I want to ask you to stand with me if you would, please. We're going to have Vanessa play. And I want to invite you to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. Now, you can do that a couple ways. I'm going to tell you one traditional way we often do it around here. Not all the time, but sometimes we'll come down at the front. We'll pray at the front. By the way, if you're doing that, you're not praying to me. If you think that, you're thinking wrong. You're not praying to me. You're praying to God. We're just doing this as a marker at the front of the church. You come on and do that. I'm going to stand down front here. I do this most Sunday. I'm going to stand down there. You may say, I need somebody to pray with me. You come and say, Matthew, would you pray with me? I'll do that. I'll stand there. I'll walk to the side with you. Or if we've got too many people, we'll get more people. But this is a time to enter into the presence of the Lord. If you're a Christian this morning, I bet you there's many people here that feel far from God. Why don't you come and take this moment to say, Lord, I know that you're my sacrifice. I want to come into your presence. If there's anybody here that's not saved, I want to extend that offer that I believe is in even Leviticus. He's always available for everybody. Lord, would you move among your people? Help them to enter in to enjoy being in your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all come as the Lord leads you.